recording in progress. Did you say that it was okay? I did. Okay. Hey, everyone. It's uh, David Barnett. And uh, back when I first created this podcast channel on SoundCloud that feeds out to Apple and Spotify and all the other ones, I, I promised that I would be creating some other podcast content that would be unique to the audio channel. And then I never did. And so it's been like five years. So I'm joined here. to be, So I was talking with my buddy, Mark, who's here on the line with me. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Mark, Mark uh, has a podcast too and works in the co- in the coaching space. And <clears throat> we, something came up a couple of weeks ago, Mark, that made me reach out to you and, and we decided to set this thing up. Um, I've been telling people, you know, in my daily emails and I've mentioned it a few times on YouTube that I got a motorcycle for this year. Right. And when I was talking with one of my friends who also has a motorcycle, he was, he made some interesting comments about Harley Davidson's and uh, my bike's a Kawasaki and his is a KTM. But he said to me, he said, most Harley owners are cosplayers. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, I just think that they're regular everyday people, but they, they like to dress up and pretend that they're bikers like like motorcycle gang members or whatever so that people are frightened of them and stuff uh, and they're just pretending and i was like <laughs> i didn't know that i mean i know what he means i mean you you sometimes see certain people and you're like oh you know like there's clearly like a dentist or something riding a harley davidson but um it got me to think about the whole cosplayer thing and for those of you that don't know cosplayers are those people who who dress up like cartoon characters and stuff and they act out and there's conventions for these people and stuff. And, um, but it made me think about how I've met a lot of people through the course of my career who were playing at being business people. And, and I've, I've come across a lot of interesting little tidbits over the course of time that have helped me sort of recognize these people. And I knew that if there's anyone I would know that, would probably have some of the same or similar insights. It'd be you, Mark. Mm. Yeah. The, we didn't coin the term uh, entrepreneurs, but we both used it a lot. Yeah. Entrepreneur instead of entrepreneur. Mm. I think it's a great thing. Why, why don't you um, just share, give everyone a little bit of a background uh, about the work that you do on uh, your website and, and the people that you work with every day. Sure. So I'm all about helping coaches get more clients without paid ads. And I've been doing it since March, 2014. Mm -hmm. Time flies. And uh, previous to that, I was in more of a a bricks and mortar type business throughout my twenties in real estate. That's how you and I met. Actually, you were with yellow pages (laughs) back in the stone age. You sold me my first yellow pages ad. And um, so I had about a decade in real estate and, and I've been in coaching now for seven years and basically so sorry uh, did you say you had a successful decade in real estate because you bought an ad in yellow pages yes it was all due to the if nothing was happening till i got your yellow page ad then it took off well no all kidding aside though um my business i did reinvest into it a lot you know i sold a lot of houses but then i take those commissions and i would buy radio ads and postcards and yellow page ads and everything else Mm -hmm. and everything was going very well kind of hockey stick growth till it all came as you know collapsing down that's a whole other podcast but um, you and I have chatted about before uh, the difference in 2021, and this is why we see so many entrepreneurs is compared to, say, the old days, the 1980s, 90s, even early 2000s, is um, back then, if you want to start a business, 
uh, there were home-based businesses, but if you're starting something, usually it'd be uh, something with a physical location. You'd have to pay a lot for your office lease. You'd have to get equipment. You'd have to get signage. You'd have to hire staff. And it's a lot of money, a lot of commitment. Uh, nowadays, you know, someone has a business idea. They pop over to GoDaddy. They pay 10 or 15 bucks for URL. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, hey, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, and here we go. And if they really want to extend themselves, they can take advantage of the free offer from uh, Vistaprint and get 50 free business cards mailed to them. Yeah. And then you got, of course, shows like Shark Tank and stuff like that and Dragon's Den that people are watching. And uh, we all know I, that guy or that girl, usually it's that guy. I know one, I have one in mind, but uh, that watches Shark Tank and stuff. He has a new idea every three months, but doesn't end up going anywhere uh, with it. So I, I'm torn because I like certain things about 2021, um, that it's a, a democratization of business, that it is easier to get into business. I think that's great. You know, I want to see as many entrepreneurs as possible possible. Uh, but the flip side of it is a barrier to entry is so low that anyone can just get in it. And then they're playing business like you're talking about. Well, and so, you know, I work with people generally who want to buy or sell a business and the people who want to sell their business, uh, they end up sending me financial statements and it, it's got to be a real business for me to work with them. They have to have revenue and profits, mm. et cetera. And, and if they don't, if it's, if it's a person who, you know, has like a total company revenue of $50,000. And after expenses, they're working full time for 25 or 30 grand. Like I just say to them, like, you don't have a real business. You've got a part-time job. You have a job basically is what you own. And, and no one's going to pay you money to take over that. You might be able to sell some tools or equipment if you have yeah. them. But um, on the other side of the thing of, of the table, I talk with potential business buyers and a lot of them come to me and they are, they're not business owners. They have a job and they, they're looking for help, you know, to do this. So they're not, you know, pretending, but then um, when, when I used to see this the most is back pre COVID, I would sometimes attend like networking events or different functions, like on a local basis where you'd go and you'd meet people and stuff. And it would amaze me that I would meet the same people over and over again at every event. And then I would, you know, see their level of online activity on like social media and stuff. And I, I try not to spend a whole lot of time on social media because I'm busy doing work for people. Mm. Um, but it would just, I would realize, you know, how does this person have all this time? And then the clues would start to be put together in my head where I'd realize, you know, their, their business probably isn't really that real. Like mm. they're not really doing that level of, of work. And, you know, tell me about the people that come to you because obviously someone comes to you if they have a coaching business and they don't have enough clients or looking to grow the number of clients. Do, is there a disconnect between people not really understanding that they're a coach versus they're a business owner? Yeah, definitely. So whenever I'm talking with a coach, like, let's say I just met you, Dave, you're a coach. I wouldn't say, why did you become a coach? I'd say, uh, why did you start a coaching business? You know, I'd add those two words and marry them together. Uh, or I would say, uh, you know, um, 
basically a lot of people say, well, what's the difference there, right? That are you a coach or why do you start coaching business? I think there's a huge amount of difference because I'm trying to get through their heads at, at being a coach as an entrepreneur first. And in my world, a lot of people that get into coaching have a background in say human resources, or they were a nurse, or they were a teacher, or they were some, doing something that they never had to make a payroll before. They had, never yep. had to get clients. They just think, okay, well, it's simple. I'll get the certification. I'll slap up a website and people will come rushing through the doors to hire me. And it doesn't work like that. So whenever I speak with a new coach, uh, someone with a new coaching business, they think that the split's going to be, oh, I'm going to be coaching, you know, 80% of the time and the other 20%, I'll do a little bit of marketing and I'll tidy up some paperwork or some back end stuff, but it'll be 80% for coaching. It's actually flipped, you know, if they're lucky, they're doing 20% of the time coaching, but 80% is being spent finding clients and it's actually closer probably to 90 10 or 10 90 with mm. that split especially if somebody's starting a business right because mm. i i can remember back when i started to do this consulting work and stuff and and um, i used to have way more time to plan my videos that i was going to make and um you know to spend time on social media posting things because i and that's the marketing work that you're talking about like trying to meet people who are going to be your customer and as the depth of that material has grown online, more and more people come across it and I meet more customers. And so now I spend more of my time doing work than, than yeah. going in prospecting and marketing. So, so then here's the question is when people finally come to you, it's because they've obviously had some sort of realization that they need to make a change what kind of timeline do you typically see? Are these people that have been trying to do it on their own for six months and then go looking for you? Or do you sometimes meet people that have been doing it for years? Uh, well, first off, I'll mention for anyone listening, you're, you're walking the walk because you and I have been to Toronto a couple of times. We go to watch, well, in normal times <laughs> yeah. COVID, uh, to watch in Blue Jays games. And one of our trips up there, we're in the hotel room getting ready to go to Rogers Center. And you got a message from one of your YouTube videos. It was someone basically buying one of your packages there or whatever. Yep. So you're not a entrepreneur that's just like, oh, yeah, I made a million dollars last week. And, you know, I'm working five minutes a day. I've actually been with you while you've got inquiries and people, you know, wanting to hire you. So I think that's important to, to mention. But um, for mine, I mean, there are all sorts of coaches that come to me, but a lot of them are uh, ones that I call zombie coaches. And I don't want to sound snobby here, but what I mean by zombie coaches, um, and they look like they're alive. Their business is alive because they've got the website. They've got, you know, the Facebook fan page. They might have a couple hundred fans there or whatever. They're putting some posts up. They're doing enough to make it look like they're alive, but they're not really alive because they don't have clients uh, coming in. So they don't have a real business there. And that's my goal is to turn those zombie coaching businesses into real life ones um, uh, or whatever. Um, you talk about social media and I thought it was funny. Uh, I know anyone who's into clubhouse will hate me for saying this. I'm not a clubhouse guy. And I just didn't get into it. I tried it a few times, but I see these people that are spending 10 hours a day on Clubhouse and they're like, oh yeah, well, I got a client last month from it. Or yeah, oh gee, Elon Musk popped into a room. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you're also spending, you know, 60 hours a week on Clubhouse. <laughs> and it's probably that way for all social media, by the way. There's people waste time on Facebook, Twitter, and so on. I just find that um, Clubhouse seems to attract the entrepreneurs or the fake gurus more than some of those others. Or, or douchepreneurs, that's where the comes mind <laughs> I hope your show is not being sponsored by Clubhouse. <laughs> no, it's not. And I'll tell you, I got an invite to join Clubhouse. And for those of you who don't know, it's basically 
like a party chat app where an audio drop-in app or something. Yeah, it would be like if Mark and I were talking right now live and a bunch of you were listening live. And so mm. um, here's my issue with Clubhouse. Number one, I was like, do I really want to attempt to build a presence and followership on yet another platform? I already have enough, right? I've got enough of these social medias to worry about mm. to the point now where I need help in my business just to make sure that people who follow me on different things can see stuff on a regular basis. And number two, the people who tune into my stuff, like the people who go looking for information about that I talk about on YouTube, um, they, they don't know in this moment, they're not sitting around waiting for me to talk. They are people who are busy doing other stuff. And some of them don't know that they need that information for another couple of years from this point in time. Right. And yeah. so this is why when I create stuff online, I'm like, I need to create it in a way that it's always going to be accessible, searchable and discoverable by people who have this question in five years time. That's why I love YouTube so much because it's, it's like a searchable database of information that people, I, I get comments on videos I made five years ago. And so yeah. it means that people are finding that old stuff and it's relevant to them to help them. And so yeah, I didn't like Clubhouse at all. I spent about an hour on there poking my head into different things. And what I found was a bunch of rooms with celebrities talking about, you know, tabloid things, you know, talking about uh, fashion, what kind of handbag to own, uh, you know, things like about relationships, dating, sexuality. And it was just like, I, I, this is like a, I don't know, uh, brain candy kind of, I think tabloid is the best way to put it. Well, well, you have to sift through so much crap to get to anything of value. I've been spoiled because when I listen to podcasts or audio books, I go at 2x speed. I might go at 1.5 if it's a fast author or podcast host, but I'm going at 2x speed, which it takes, anyone trying it, it's going to take a little while to get used to it. It'll sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks for the first bit, but now I can't listen at normal speed. If I'm listening to a podcast at normal speed, it sounds like slow motion. So when I go into Clubhouse, there's no way to to increase it. And then right. you're listening to, again, the douchepreneurs, sorry. But um, a perfect illustration of this is um, I was telling my girlfriend about Clubhouse one day and uh, we were in the car and I was just griping about it, you know, because everyone's like, oh, you have to be in Clubhouse. I said, here, I'm going to open it up and I bet it's going to be some idiot talking about how much money he's making or whatever. I open up the app. First sentence I hear is a guy. Uh, and that's why I went from $40,000 to one. 1.7 million last <laughs> literally that sentence i said yep there's a clubhouse in a nutshell clicked out <laughs> or whatever so there are people doing well i do have friends that are doing well with it um because they are building the community they're spending that time and of course like anything you know mlm's got horrible number uh, chance of making money with that but there are the people at the very top of that pyramid that are making money uh so clubhouse there are people like that but the vast majority aren't and um yep. the, the, most of the coaches i see in there just playing in their eight ten hours a day and then I'm like well yeah but i i got a prospect or i'm building my email list or whatever yeah but how much could you be doing elsewhere instead of doing that i want to spend less time on social media not more time on it i don't want to sit around clubhouse uh, for eight hours a day that for me that's not fun well, it's interesting because let's, you know, we're tossing around a couple of different terms here. There's the entrepreneur, there's the, the douchepreneur, as you, as you call it, mm -hmm. which I think is a great term. And if you've ever seen anyone on social media, on YouTube or whatever, talking about their, you know, how they just bought their third Lamborghini because they did some program that costs 
1997. You know, <laughs> that's who we're talking about. Um, but for any of these like monumental successes in any facet of life, um, there's just a tiny group of people who have tremendous success. At, you know, how many people play guitar and how many rock stars are there? How many people play basketball and how many NBA players are there? Right. And so, so the, there's this tiny group who's a real winner for, and I, I, I do not believe that I'm in any kind of special category of business person. I think that one of the reasons that I've been able to build a successful business is because I have a realistic opinion of what I am, which is just a guy who happens to have good knowledge about a specific thing. And then I ask myself, how do I find people who need that specific knowledge who can afford to hire me and who want to work with me? Right. And so when you start to scale things back to a much more smaller and realistic level, then you ask yourself, well, how do I find people that might want to engage me to do this work? So when I first started, when I left Amex and I decided I was going to do this consulting thing full time, I set up the websites that I was going to need. And I issued, I created two new books, 21 stupid things people do when trying to buy a business and 12 things to do before you consider selling your business. I made those two books. So I would have them ready to use them as giveaways initially to try to bring people in. But then I hit LinkedIn and I went to the people I was connected to from my history of activity prior. And I just started messaging everybody. And I just started saying, Hey, I want to let you know that I've left Amex and I'm doing consulting work now. And these are the different things that I'm doing consulting about. So I said, you know, if you want to buy a business, sell a business, finance a business, or talk about different problems within a business, I'm available. And so before I ever really started to get any amount of traffic from the YouTube channel I had started or anything like that, it was people here around me, literally in the same area as me, who had met me before, who knew that I was a good guy and who said, yeah, we're doing this thing. And how can you help us with that? And I was able to start to, to make the till ring. And so, so here's my question to you, Mark, because I'm going to give you all the hard questions today. Hmm. <laughs> how do you tell the difference between a zombiepreneur and somebody who is starting and trying to build a business? Because if you look at a snapshot of what they're doing financially, they might look the same, but I don't think they behave the same. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm jealous of you for one thing. I think in your world, I mean, you deal with flakes, I'm sure, and some get rich quick people. But I think usually if somebody's looking to get into buying a business, it's a little different than the coaching world is attracting a lot of people, especially after the lockdowns and with COVID that are rushing online that are the get rich quick types. And they're being also fed that lie. They're being told it's easy. They're going to be able to make a million bucks in that first year. No problem. And, and all this with magic systems. So not saying that there's uh, not some of that to approach you with your line of work, but I think that yours um, has a higher hurdle in a lot of ways than mine. Uh, with it because I do see a lot of people that are like that. They're just have no interest in coaching. They just want the money. At night. And I'm all for money. I love money. <laughs> but no, no Mark, have- listen, I've got it in my category too, because there are probably now a dozen people, these guys online with paid ads saying that you can buy a business with no money, even if you have poor credit, blah, blah, blah. And, and the reason that I know about this stuff is because I meet their victims 
mm. a yeah. several a few months after they buy these programs when they try to implement them and then they realize that what they were told about financing just isn't the case and they can't find the lenders who are willing to do the loans that they were told they should yeah. they could access right and and that's and then i meet these people and they get frustrated i did a video about it with a fellow from texas named carlos who who explained his experience and in the program he was offered even had a money back guarantee but but then when he tried to get his money back then they were like oh yeah but there's all this fine print right yeah and so and i know that this is big in the coaching world people say you know i started a six-figure coaching business you know from my backyard with a low powered wifi connection or whatever yeah. Well, to answer your question, how do you uh, differentiate them? I mean, time will eventually uh, does filter out the fakes, I think, in the real people. So even something as simple, this sounds crazy, but um, people who actually show up when they're supposed to show up is uh, a minority in my space, at least um, for the coaching world. There are a lot of flakes, you know, they can't even manage their calendar. They don't show up for a call. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot it. My dog ate my homework or whatever, you know, and um, if, if they act like that for any length of time, they're going to get weeded out eventually anyways. Um, I think my spidey senses are becoming finely tuned from doing this for so many years. I can almost tell who's legit, who's full of crap. Basically, I'm sure you can too, uh, with just little things uh, that they do in there. Uh, you know, if they don't have any real testimonials, uh, like that's something that uh, if it's a lot of BS type ones, uh, mm-hmm. the big promises that I always look, there's a lot of people in my world who are selling, they sell the sizzle, but they're not, they don't have the steak, right? So they can make the first sale with the sizzle, but then they don't have any repeat customers or any referrals because they're selling fluff or hot air. And so types like you introduced me to uh, Mike Winnett's um, channel, the whole contract entrepreneur thing uh, there's yeah. coffee zilla you know those anyone who wants to see what this online space is like you know check out those videos and you'll see how many people are selling air yeah well it's it's interesting though because what you know in talking about sort of entrepreneurs or or business cosplayers um i have seen many times where someone will will get me to look at a business for them because they're looking at buying mm-hmm. a business And they'll say, I found this business that's in the space that I want, but the numbers don't seem that correct. And I want to get your opinion on it, Dave. And and there's things that don't seem to make sense. And what I've started to really learn after years of doing this is that sometimes if it walks like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's a duck. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the obviousness. Yep. Because in my space, I'll look at a set of financials for a certain kind of business. Maybe there's a lot of cash. And the seller will say, you know, I don't declare all the sales or I got a bunch of my personal expenses in here. And this is really how the business performs. And they could be absolutely accurate when they say that, right? And then it's a matter of prove it, right? But that's another discussion. But then I'll get these financials where it shows a poorly performing business. And then the owner will say things like, well, you know, I don't take a salary. What I do is I, I take repayments on the um, shareholder loan I put in to get the company going. And, and then they'll say things like, well, I do it this way to manage my tax liability. And, and I'll, I'll start to look at this and I'm like, you know, the sales aren't that big. The earnings aren't that big. You're taking money out of it. It's you're, you're just playing this accounting game. I don't, you know, how is this able to carry on? And so this is the question I've started to ask, uh, you know, when I'm talking with buyers who are looking at these businesses, I'll say, uh, find out what the spouse does. Mm. 
because I've learned that it is very easy to keep one of these business cosplay fictions going on when the owner of one of these businesses is married to a surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> or, or lawyer or, or any, you know, other kind of highly paid person. <clears throat> because the person really isn't, you know, forced into that situation where they've got to make it work. You know, Mark, if you can't pay your bills, then, you know, you're in trouble, right? Me too. Yep. I got to pay my own bills. And, but there are people out there where if, you know, there's that pressure doesn't exist. And maybe that's how they're allowed to just kind of hang out on social media all yep. day. And they don't have to make a sale. Well, it was the same way I was in my real estate life. Uh, anyone who's in real estate knows that uh, usually a builder that starts to do well and starts building a lot of houses in their market, good chance their wife's going to become a real estate agent, you know, um, because they're looking at it and saying, geez, I'm paying this much commission out for the houses I'm selling. And my wife, you know, I don't, this is going to come across taxes, I'm not trying to make me, but my wife enjoys watching the shows on, you know, home and garden, the reality, the, these reality shows. And I think she would like meeting people and, you know, all that stuff. So she then becomes, gets her license and, uh, you know, makes all the commissions and gets the big awards, but that's what she's selling. 90% of her stuff is her husband's, um, stuff. Or, or if it's flip, if it's a female builder, the husband uh, becomes the agent, but I haven't run into that yet. So uh, yeah, um, there now we can edit this part out. Feel free if you want to. I don't but, know how to edit. <laughs> there we go. So it's um, in there. Yeah. So just don't shoot me people. I'm just saying what I've seen or whatever. And there's lots of great female agents or whatever, but, and that's smart of builders. I mean, if they could uh, keep the commission inside their family, great. I think that's, you know, um, a very good way to do it as well. So, yeah, I think that's a great question. Who would think to, to ask, you know, what does your spouse do? Cause most people would be like, well, that doesn't, that's none of my business. Well, Hey, if you're spending this much money to purchase a business, you should probably be asking questions like that. It's a good thing to do. Yeah. So t talk to me about, you know, some of the people that, that have gone through your, cause you do group coaching programs where you help people, you know, sort of get that business focus on, on their coaching business and, and take it more seriously to go out and find these customers. Um, what, what sort of changes in their behavior do you typically see? Like, is it the, the fact that you hold them accountable to taking actions that they actually start to do the, the grunt work and do the things that they don't necessarily like in order to really make it function? Yeah. So one of the things I do when I work with coaches is I want to see what they're doing every day. So I like holding their hand. Now, some people say, well, that's, you could scale better if you're not being so involved, but you know, things like being on their email list, cause I'm a big daily email guy. I know you're big on email, Dave. Yep. So I want to see what emails are sending out to their list. I'm connected with them on social media. Uh, one time I had a newsfeed eradicator, the Chrome extension on Facebook that blocks out the newsfeed. And I had to stop using it because I like seeing my clients, what they're posting <laughs> and stuff there. So I could tell if the client's not doing some of the things that we're talking about, if they're supposed to get on X number of podcasts a month as a guest, I'm not seeing that. They're not sending out the emails they're supposed to that um, I could tell and I can nip it in the bud or some yeah. people just don't want it, you know, and um, it's not a get rich quick, you know, as we're recording this, I've sent out almost 2000 days of straight days of daily emails, you know, started in April of 2016. I've done 700 and some episodes of my show. And then I've gone on just as many like this. 
uh, with it. You know, I've been uh, building up my Facebook group for years. It's up to 21,000 and some, but that didn't happen overnight. You know, that's been many years of building those things up. I'm amazed at how many people in the coaching world or online space think, okay, well, I'm going to try something. I'm going to do Facebook lives every day this week. Then they don't get any clients like, well, this is stupid. It doesn't work. And they're off to the next bright, shiny object. It's, it's, um, I mean, there's a term for it in the podcasting world. They call it pod fade and, yeah, or, or podgatory here in where you're not alive or not dead. You're kind of in between. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I had, um, I was asked to come and speak to a group, not about buying and selling businesses, but rather about being a content creator. Mm. And it was a group of people that were looking at launching business podcasts or YouTube channels. Right. And, and so it was funny because it was a zoom call and the, the host was asking me questions about how I got going. And then he said to me, how long did it take before you could measurably know that you got clients for your consulting business from your YouTube channel? And I was like, measurably no, like, like Mm. how long was it before someone actually said, or like, or I remember a client I got from Texas and there was no way on earth I would ever get a client from Texas unless it was through the internet. Right. Right. Unless it was because they saw something online. And I was like, oh, it was like a year and a half of me doing regular weekly videos on YouTube before I could measurably say that, yes, absolutely. I'm now getting business from this. And the faces in the group were just like people were shocked. And then he said, how long did it take you to get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube? I was like, I didn't hit a thousand subscribers until I was like three years in. Yeah. And that's not very sexy, right? That's uh, no, it's not, it's not exciting at all, but it's the truth. And, and then I, I said to him like, but I only needed 300 before I started to get business. And by the time I had like 700 subscribers on YouTube, I was getting enough business from away that I didn't have to be pounding the pavement here locally anymore. And I was, you know, now I, you know, because of the consistency and now I've been doing it for seven years, um, I get emails every week from people all over the place who, who want to do business. And, and so it's really worked out well now, but it took years of effort and the willingness to be consistent without immediate feedback or um, yeah. reinforcement. Right. And that's the toughest thing. It's like planting something in the ground and then you're uh, pouring water on it and, and watering it. You're not going to see it sprout up right away, but you definitely need faith with it. And uh, I'm not a patient guy. I'm working on my patience. I'm the type I like to see results right away. But anytime I start something, whether it be podcasting or the emails or anything like that, I always say, um, I'm not going to worry about results. You know, I'm just going to put out the best product, best content that I can do. And then we'll see what happens. And, you know, with daily emails, I wasn't making a million dollars in the first 30 days, but by day 30 of doing it daily, I started to notice more replies to the list I was sending out, mm-hmm. started to get some sales trickle in, which never happened for the first two years of doing email inconsistently or less frequently. And that's just the approach I like to take is just say, okay, I'm going to stick with this. And by the way, sometimes I change course. So, you know, Dave, I had a, an Alexa flash briefing for mm-hmm. a year. I did roughly 350 daily little um, you know snippets of those flash briefing didn't fit my business plan, wasn't enjoying it. I said, okay, I'm going to leave it. So I didn't, um, some people are pot committed to think, well, I've done 350 of these, so I got to stick with it or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm not really enjoying them. So I've got my other stuff on the go with it, but I will try anything. And when I do try it, I stick with it 
and then I evaluate whether it's going to become one of my big pillars, I call them. Yeah. Well, well that makes total sense. Um, you know, when, when you say Alexa uh, flash briefing, it makes me think of that old 1980s show, Max Hedrum, and yep. an episode where the advertisers on TV were making something called blipverts, which were like 30 second advertisements in two seconds, but it was overloading people's brains. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember him with, uh, he had the Pepsi commercials, weren't there, Max? Had yeah, Pepsi he was stuttering yeah. and, and the, the speech yeah. therapist community didn't like him because it was encouraging kids were trying yeah, to stutter, stutter on purpose <laughs> to be like Max Headroom. Yeah. So we're, we're dating ourselves there. That's great. <laughs> Although I will let everyone know that you are younger. But and by a few years, yeah. By a few years. Just a few. So when was it that we went to Toronto together and you were speaking at that event? Was it the fall of 18? Yeah, it was November of 2018. Yeah. Okay. So for almost a year before that event, I was doing emails Monday to Friday. And then just a couple weeks before that event, I started doing them on Saturday and Sunday as well. And I noticed a difference when mm -hmm. I went from weekday to daily yeah. and I haven't stopped. I, I issue an email every day, except a couple months ago, I screwed up on the programming of the release and two of them got released on a Saturday. But other than that, I've been pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because people say to me like, Hey, Mark, you got me into daily emails. And I said, Oh yeah, tell me about that. And they're like, yeah, I do the Monday to Friday or whatever. I'm like, well, yeah, that's great. That's better than doing it once a week or once every two weeks. But last time I checked, there's seven days of the week. So I don't have my calculator, but I think five out of seven days, like 72 point something percent of the week. It's So it's almost like uh, in football, you take the ball, you run, and you get to like the five yard line and then um, you get tackled and think, hey, there we go. That's good enough. Well, no, you didn't get into the end zone. So if you're going to spend, take the, uh, make the effort to do daily emails, I say, why not do the full seven days? Like uh, lots of people, I know. No, I am uh, on the weekends. I'm reading emails. I'm doing certain things. I'm watching videos and stuff like that. The funniest story I have is there's a coach I know who started a podcast and she said, Hey, Mark, I'm doing a, a daily podcast too. Cause at this time my podcast was daily. Mm -hmm. um, now it's weekly frequency, but for the first year it was a daily show. And she said, I'm doing a daily podcast. I said, Oh, oh are you really? Cause I wasn't aware of that. And I got looking at her feed and she was releasing a show a week. And I said, Oh, I thought you were doing, it looks like a weekly show. And she said, well, no podcasts are available 24 seven. So it's a daily show because people can listen any of the 365 days. And I just, um, the, just, <laughs> Mental, the mental gymnastics to make that work to turn a weekly show into a daily show that way uh, you have to give her credit you know but uh, no that's not a daily podcast same thing as sending emails just because someone can read it after you send out 52 emails a year that's not daily emails well it's been okay so i've enjoyed this conversation and i hope that the listeners did too i'm not going to put it on any of my social media i'm just going to upload it to my to my audio stream and we'll, number one, we'll see if Yatlong notices it. And number two, we'll see uh, what the response is. But uh, I, I might start doing this more often. But cool. Um, if people want to find out more about you and, and how you help coaches, uh, where can they find you, Mark? Well, not on Clubhouse. As <laughs> uh, they could go to naturalborncoaches.com. That's a main site. Also, the Coaching Jungle group. I'm in and out of there through the day. So that's at thecoachingjungle.com. That's a Facebook group. Awesome. Well, we'll see you online. And uh, you moved out of Moncton, but next time uh, we're together, we're going to have to go out and have a drink. And um, 
we learned yesterday that if everything goes according to plan by August, we're going to have all of the restrictions removed. So if anyone out there listening is planning some kind of business conference in the next year or something, me and Mark love to go to those. So invite us. I I specifically didn't get into COVID on this because I didn't want to go political on you. So I'm glad we stuck to business, but uh, yeah, that's very good. Our, um, political overlords are allowing us to see people. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it's, it's worthwhile getting confused about things. I mean, it's pretty clear yeah. the queen owns us and we do as she says. All right. <laughs> Talk to you later, man. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye.